Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for Unheralded News, we're going to take a look at a rhetorical question. And the the question is, do Israel and the United States create their own enemies? And many would say yes. And the title of the piece that we're going to discuss in conjunction with this concept is Bulgaria, the Arab Swede, Terrorist, and Israel's call to bomb Iran. Would you please read us Chuck's story, Yes, Leslie? Posted by Charles E. Carlson, July 24, 2012. Israel and USA war-making factions are jointly attempting to fashion an irrational bombing incident by a seemingly disturbed Guantanamo prison victim into an excuse to bomb the people of Iran. President Netanyahu and the U.S. Secretary of State Clinton have long made it clear that both are looking for an incident, any incident, to justify starting it. The real question is not about Mehdi Ghazali or why he chose to be a part of attacking, vacationing Israeli civilians, if indeed he did it, But why does the USA and its attack-ready Zionist pit bull Israel want this war? Israel wants conquest of valuable land. They want to be the occupier of Iran and Iraq. Its arrogance is reminiscent of an incident I wrote about that made a truly far-fetched effort to convince the world there was a tie between Mexico and Iran to a ne'er-do-well used car salesman from Texas in an alleged plot to kill an Israeli diplomat, supposedly while eating in a Mexican restaurant in Washington. After a burst of publicity on primetime TV, the scheme talk evaporated, but the administration used the incident to ramp up sanctions that stings working-class Iranians. It has been my thesis for years that the USA is a war-based economy, which is cracking economically for need of a super war. The U.S. is much like the British Empire was a century ago when its citizens got tired of fighting needless serial wars and forced a temporary peace upon their government, and subsequently the war debts of past adventures destroyed its world reserve currency, the venerable pound sterling. This is how Americans succeeded the British as world financial power. Our money was firmer. War-making is how we are losing that position today. The giant Lockheed Company recently flashed a public threat of massive layoffs if it does not get more war business before the fall election. Lockheed says, give us more and better war or we will give you unemployment. Why, you ask, did this 
Swede of an Algerian father kill these innocent tourists, if indeed he did it, and why did he sacrifice his own life in such a useless act after surviving 28 months in Gitmo? A well-done Swedish-produced film featured Mehdi Ghazali, Gitmo, The New Rules of War, portrays how, after two years in this American-made hell on earth, many men might become unbalanced, void of hope, and trust in God. This was the stated purpose of Gitmo, to produce hopelessness that would cause men to talk. How better to create a killer than to confine him for years in that place where torture became the American way? America is creating incidents like this by manufacturing enemies, as Israel does every day. You might ask yourself, does it make any sense for Iran to have part in in killing a handful of Israeli tourists in Bulgaria? Not to me. But if your answer is something like this, Iranians are not human, so they do not think rationally, then you must either be a neocon, a Christian Zionist, or trained by the Israeli Defense Forces. Iran knows they would gain nothing by giving the warmaker Netanyahu an excuse to start bombing Iranian cities, and then the USA could unleash the Lockheed war machine upon Iran. Americans might soon wonder why gas could go to 5 to $6 per gallon. Former U.S. Ambassador John Bolton is already all over the U.S. press justifying what he suggests will be Israel's attack on Iran and with not a shred of evidence of Iran's involvement in Bulgaria. Will Israel find a connection to Iran? This depends on whether the USA press examines the evidence. With all the wondering Ghazali did around the Middle East, it is likely he knew at least one suspicious Persian, but I would bet it is not the Iranian government. Whatever the connections, imagined or real, They will be magnified to create what Netanyahu considers sufficient excuse. Perhaps it will be some obscure piece of hardware in the bomb itself will be discovered. And if Israel cannot find such a link, it will invent one. Will the anti-Zionists in Israel accept this contrived attack? That is the question. Or some of them might get hurt? The most irrational call for war from America will not come from neocons like John Bolton who nudge things along at a high level and bombard the willing press, but from millions of Christian Zionists who also need another war to make their prophetic religious rite of death take place in Israel. They will cheer on the irrational call for bombing until their death wish is exposed. Americans for peace, religious or otherwise, are growing in number, and they must finally speak out to save not only Iran, but our own economy of plenty. I will now read the July 28th update. 
Israel continues to act on the premise that if they tell their chosen story often enough and loud enough, they will not have to tell the truth. On July 26, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said in the New York Times, quote, the attack in Bulgaria was carried out by Hezbollah, the long arm of Iran, unquote. Bulgaria bus blast linked to Hezbollah. Unnamed U.S. officials also stated, but no one offered a scrap of hard evidence or even a rumor as to why or how the governments of Iran or Lebanon are involved. Sadly, our own government is gradually adopting the Zionist practice of saying what they want you to believe, swearing to it, and repeating it until most people accept it. A few months ago, I published a feature article I hope you will reread, entitled Operation Cast Lead. It's Zionese for burning people. It began with Zionese is the unofficial spoken language of the state of Israel. Zionese is not a language of letter, syllable, and punctuation. It is the delivery of a few so-called truths that must be learned and repeated consistently without reservation. The trick is in the delivery. Zionese is the art of telling a story that most would reject and repeating it as if most believe it. If either Israel or the U.S. has evidence, why not share it with those they are trying to convince as any sane person does when trying to persuade a skeptic? It would not surprise me if Netanyahu and the unnamed U.S. officials well, next decide the Colorado Theater assassin and Norway's Anders Breivik were also working for Iran, too. The bigger the lie, the easier to believe, and as long as it works. That is the language of Zionism, and we need to learn how to identify it. Well, Chuck, this uh, this story, before we start talking about uh, what came to mind with our provocative title, Do Israel and the United States Create Their Own Enemies? All you have to do is think back as recently as the 1980s when the United States was helping Saddam Hussein with weapons, chemical weapons, in the war against Iran. And then all of a sudden he became the biggest enemy compared to Hitler, what have you. We went to war based on bogus information about weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. And this has gone on in countless countries through the provocative counterintelligence activities of our government, including the CIA. And this is, again, another example. We've seen all these recent examples and including at the top of the cheerleaders for going to war with Iran would be John Hagee, the Christian Zionist, who has been calling for war for over five years now, since 19 or since 2007. Even praying for it. And even praying for it, yes. Yes, the the, uh, the government position doesn't change much in in Iraq. 
it was weapons of mass destruction that were never defined. In some cases, they talked about chemical weapons, but they never really did say what these terrible weapons are. In Iran, of course, the idea is they're supposedly making atomic weapons, but everyone that uh, has inspected says that they're years and years away from that, even though they could eventually make atomic weapons, like many other countries in, in the world have. Never but, mind uh, that Israel has over 200 uh, atomic weapons and is very capable of defending itself. Exactly, exactly. So any excuse for war, but uh, they've gone past uh, the atomic weapons thing. I suppose at a point uh, their, their surveys probably indicate that people are no longer listening to this or taking it seriously, so they try to think of something else. And, of course, right before the Olympics, there was this uh, bombing incident of a bunch of, a bunch of Israelis who were vacationed in Bulgaria, and uh, naturally that immediately is blamed upon Iran. Obviously, Iran knows that they are in really very mortal danger from both the United States and Israel, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, the last thing that anybody would ever do would be to needlessly kill a bunch of civilians in Bulgaria and risk uh, bringing down arsenal in their cities. But again, the effort to instigate the war in Iran has not quit. It does continue on. And it's a matter of economic policy that we are really running out of wars. And just as in George Orwell's 1984, where the thesis of the whole world economy at that time was keeping wars going, the U.S. is becoming strapped for a good war. And people like uh, Lockheed are beginning to slow down and, and actually talk about layoffs. Well, the funny thing, uh, it, it's interesting, I had a brief conversation with a lady uh, at church, and she's telling me that the military is being decimated, you know, that they're, uh, I, I kind of, my mouth dropped here. I mean, we still have 700 bases all over the world. They haven't cut back on, on military spending. The supposed cutbacks that uh, last year that, Obama promise amounted to a slowdown in the increase. So we're not even cutting back. We're still increasing, but at a slower rate. That somehow makes significant news. So it's the belief by so many people that we've got to keep the military strong because if we don't, we're going to uh, be at the mercy of the world rather than trying to negotiate with them and do it peacefully. We've had various machinations of that same argument going all the way back to the Cold War, all the way back to a mobilization of the Berlin troops, of which I was one, and the constant buildup of uh, really big military always looking for a, another Cold War that was ready to spring up. And the heart-wrenching thing about it, I just happened to see a little short documentary on Al Jazeera interviewing people there. There was a doctor in Fallujah, and since the 2004 attacks there, uh, where the United States used depleted uranium and armaments, now she was very cautious what she said, but they're seeing this dramatic increase in in birth defects, the heart heart problems with newborn babies, all kinds of 
that are dramatically higher, I, it, the order of 10 times what the, the world average is for these kinds of defects. So the interviewer asked the leading question, but she wasn't re really ready to answer. You know, they were doing research, but the Iraqi people are still suffering from what we did in Iraq. We haven't as we were told we were going in there to create a democracy. Well, um, of course, the controversy of the 1980s was what do we do with the nuclear waste? We all remember those arguments about it, and they looked for mountains to put it in, salt, uh, underground salt domes to hide it in, and all kinds of places to take this waste out of atomic plants and to, where to stash it and stow it forever and ever so that it would never get into the water, never get into the soil, never this and never that. Uh, we all remember those controversies, and it came as a staggering shock to some of us uh, when in 1991 we found that, uh, that uh, the Warthog airplane fired a cannon that shot uh, a hunk of depleted uranium out the barrel that turned white hot as it went out the barrel and disintegrated when it hit things and went through would go through six inches of steel because it was so dense and heavy. And we were suddenly supposed to think that this was healthy and this was just ordinary warfare. Well, we found out later that those depleted uranium rounds were actually lethal. And they did when they disintegrated. That material went everywhere in, in very minute particles and mixed in with the soil and the water and the air. And, uh, and people did uh, breathe it and kids played in it and on and we have no idea of the re result of this because our own government has never been willing to admit there was anything wrong with taking the depleted uranium rods out of an atomic energy plant that they'd had stored under a mountain someplace in in the in a California desert and manufacturing it into bullet slugs that are fired out of warthog helicopters from the American side I've never even seen a government discussion of whether or not there's anything lethal and harmful in that. And so you have a big class of people here that believe that our military is not strong enough, that we even need more, as we are slowly, or rather quickly, running off a cliff here of uh, debt. I mean, it's, it's yeah, cliff, a, cliff a, an debt. amazing thing how we have really become a nation of lemmings and we're going to follow our leaders over the cliff here, so to speak. Someone recently did a study, and they found that there are more than 30 American military plants surrounding uh, Iran, uh, places like Tajikistan. Uh, oh, there's there. 45, Chuck. I think it's 45 or 46. There's 45 or 46 American well, bases. But 35 yeah, or 46. Uh, that are in that of, region there that basically surround Iran. So they're, they're manned it, by U.S. military personnel. Yeah. And, and as you say, they literally surround Iran on every side, uh, including, of course, the side that Iraq is on, which is the, I guess that's the west side. Plus the plus the seas. I mean, the the, the, the our navy is floating warships all over the Mediterranean in that area. So, well, anybody who stands for peace in American church has their work cut out for them. Because, of course, the idea in the American church is that, not all churches, but uh, the, certainly the, the uh, evangelical churches, 
that hold that Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy simply state that, well, we cannot take any action that's unfavorable to the state of Israel. Okay, well, that's our report for tonight. We hope you find it of interest and pass it on. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.